0: Welcome to another episode of Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you be the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and on this week's show, Steve and I are speaking with the wonderful Beverly Flaxington. Bev co-founded The Collaborative, which is an organization that helps financial services firms with both their business development and their organizational needs. She actually holds two patents on practice management programs that she created for one of the world's largest mutual fund companies and not many people can say that. She has spent over 25 years in this industry with roles in banking, institutional sales, as well as institutional investment product development. She's a three-time best-selling and gold award-winning author and she's also a certified behavioral analyst and certified values analyst analyst. Today, we bring all of that experience to bear on a conversation that focuses on something that both Steve and I consider incredibly important to the referral process, and that's storytelling. We talk about the role of a good story, the components, and the structure, and of course, we talk about how stories can fuel referrals. And with that, let's get right to the conversation. Well, Bev, welcome. So happy to have you on today. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, welcome, Bev.
0: Well, Bev. In addition to her expertise, I have voted one of the nicest people in the industry. By the way, I, I, I don't know if that's relevant to our conversation, but I think it might be. I think it might be.
1: It's an award it now. An You're award. going to be our, our honorary
0: <laughs> a fan club of one, Julie. But I can't imagine any.
2: There's no We're one that fans. I'd rather have a compliment for more than you. So there you go. It well, counts for many.
0: <laughs> um, so look, I wanted to I, I wanted to ask you a, a question, but let me let me uh, lead into it and, and just uh, share maybe a couple of stats because I'd love to get your perspective on this. Um, you know we've we've and we've talked about this over the years, but we have been doing investor research for a very long time, and and we always see a similar pattern. We see a massive percentage of clients who say they're comfortable referring, so ninety percent plus. And we see about a third of clients who say they have referred, and yet when we talk to advisors, they tell us that they get referrals from maybe 3 or 4% of their clients. So we see these incredible gaps. I'd love to just kick off by asking you, you know, what, what do you think creates that gap between comfort and intention and action? So, there's a
2: few things I think that are at play. First of all, when you ask a client that question, they're going to answer it from the perspective of, I think, how happy they are, how satisfied they are, whether they like you, whether they like what you're doing. So, if you say to me, you know, how likely would I be to refer to Julie, I've worked with her, um, you know, she's she's my advisor, I'm likely going to say, yes, I absolutely would. Would. Now, in the back of that, yes, though, is <laughs> if an opportunity arises and I'm confident that the person that I'm referring is a good fit and I am uh, in possession of the right information and the right way to say it and, 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 and. So I think that the disconnect comes in in that we're seeing by those responses, very satisfied clients. They do believe in their advisor. They are happy. They genuinely are positive and quote unquote would refer, but there isn't the setup, if you will, the tools in place to allow
0: them to easily do it. And so, if that's the case, I guess the obvious question is, what What do you think some of those tools are? What do you think we need to be thinking about to bridge that gap? So, there's a couple things. First of all, I think that there's a
2: mistaken belief that because... I like you as my advisor. I'm going to go talk to other people about you. And, and I think if we think about human behavior and the way that people think, the way that they talk, the way we interact with others, it's an unusual circumstance where I would have somebody in my universe that, you know, I can say, hey, I just really like this person. Just talk to this person. Now, it can happen. It will happen from time to time that you have somebody who's a good friend, colleague, and you say, look, I don't know if this per- this advisor can help you, but you ought to just sit down and have a conversation with him or her. It's not the norm though for the way we interact. The way we interact with people is somebody says something to us about what is it that they need. And we then respond by saying, I think I have an answer for you. So, one of the pieces is helping our clients, almost um, training them, if you will, to know who is it that they should be, we should as clients be looking for. And then the other piece of it, of course, is
0: arming them with what is it that we think that we should say. So, so you talked about training at first. Maybe we could go a little deeper on that. Um, are you talking about helping them know who's the right fit for our business? Because, yes, I think that's one of the holdbacks. So,
2: you know, you think about the value of relationships. If I have a friend, if I have a family member, I have a colleague, it's the advisor's reputation. But before we ever get there, it's my reputation. And so I think there's a caution that a lot of people operate with that says, you know, this is a good friend of mine. Uh, I could use an example. I have a very good friend, uh, runs a business, does very well from a business perspective, uh, lives in just an enormous home, takes all kinds of expensive vacations, and is uh, completely and utterly cash poor. Now we have a good enough relationship that we have these conversations. I know that, but if I was just simply to look at lifestyle, I might say, gosh, that person is the right kind of referral that I should be making to my advisor. Okay. But what happens when I refer the person, they go sit down with the advisor. The advisor says, I can't work with you. You basically have no money. So I think that we have to kind of help the client, the advisor has to help the client with what are the life circumstances? What could somebody be uh, dealing with or encountering? Uh, How would I describe the right kind of fit for our firm? You know, what, what we teach advisors to say, we tell them, oh, you know, ask your client, you know, who do you know like you? So I don't know about you, Julie, but when somebody says that to me, I have no idea what they're talking about. Do yeah. you mean a business owner, a mother of three, a college professor, which aspect of me? And no, actually, fortunately, I don't know anybody like me.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, and on top of that, the, the you know one of, one of the challenges is that it's not just somebody like you, but people don't refer out of the blue. People don't refer just because they're people like you they they refer because somebody is expressing a need for something so that's not even just like you that's you know we have to give them those tools that you were talking about so that they they'd still have them when somebody says something that says oh I should bring up my financial advisor.
2: And Steve, I think that's a really good point. And that's another piece of this, you know, what, what we're trying in a way to, to train clients on. So, I'll talk with advisors a lot about the idea. We call it reselling, we, reselling or retelling. And, and that's the idea that if I've been working with this client for a really long time, I assume that they know the kinds of things I've done for them, what I can do for them, what kinds of problems we've solved together. But again, if we look at it through the human behavior lens, of course, you know, I don't remember what you did for me five years ago two months ago. I know what we're talking about right now. So I think we also have to remind advisors that they have to be always thinking about, you know, do you remember when you came to me and you were really uh, con- conflicted about uh, what the right estate plan was since you're in the second marriage and et cetera, et cetera. And imagine that you have other friends who may be, you know, going through a divorce, remarrying that would be, be experiencing the same types of things. So, there's one aspect, in uh, Steve, where I think you're so on point, right? They, the friend or the colleague comes and tells us I'm struggling with this, but the other piece is you also can prompt clients a little bit by reminding them what you've done for them and what their experience is and then segueing into, you know, do you have other friends, colleagues, et cetera, who may be going through something similar? So that helps me in my mind to narrow down to who am I looking for instead of the general like me or who do you know?
1: And I and I think that's so important too, because you know what what I find is that advisors do all this work with their clients up front. So they do the financial plan and they and they put everything together. And then, you know like you said, four or five years later, now they're in maintenance mode. They've been in maintenance mode for a while. So a lot of those really significant things are ancient history to the client. And and so, you know, what what other kinds of ways can you help? I, I think what you're saying is here's how you can bring the client back to, to sort of re-experience that again so that it becomes fresh for them and in their minds. Is that, is that fair?
2: Well, it is. And it's also in some ways giving um, words and creating a picture, if you will, for the client as to what we've gone through together. Because again, remember, if I'm sitting in the seat of client, I came to the advisor with an issue. Advisor helped me solve the issue, but I don't necessarily in my mind, Think about what those steps were. However, if the advisor reminds me, then I have, I call it the aha, right? I have that aha of, boy, we really have traveled this journey together, or, you know, we really did overcome, you know, a large obstacle here or put something in place over there. It's starting to get into this topic and, you know, that we talk about a lot around storytelling, but it's instead of assuming that the client Knows what the experience was, why it was valuable to them, you know, how it helped them. You're giving them words and a little bit of a framework for remembering, but then just as importantly, being able to go
0: and talk about it to someone else. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it does both of those things, right? And and I'd love to talk about storytelling um, as, as you brought that up, but th- you're reinforcing the value that you provided, presumably. And I do think that we need to remind clients a little more uh, clearly about what it is that we've helped them do over time. But um, I often think of it as trigger words, you know, what are, what are some of those words that when you're having a conversation with someone, you'll go, oh yeah, you really need to talk to this person is is that what you're you're getting at there
2: yes and i and i love the concept of trigger cuz to me that is you know p- human beings in general right we don't tend to like to, you know, get moved to action unless uh, the pain or pleasure continuum is strong enough on either side. So, you think about it, you know, here we're talking about referrals. Uh, What is really the pain to me or the pleasure to me to go out and start to look for people to refer to my advisor. I mean, there, there's not a built in, um, trigger, you know, to use your word, Julie, which I love, not a built in. So we have to create one. Now, if you were though, to paint a picture for me and remind me about something, that's where all of a sudden a person will pop into my mind where I think, Wow, it's interesting. I was just having lunch with so and so. They were talking about you know whatever it is, the complexities in this second marriage and the the uh, stepchildren and how to best prepare for that. You're right. You know, maybe that is somebody that I ought to recommend or refer. So I kind of talk about it sometimes. You know, the mind is like this heat-seeking missile, right? It will direct, just like why we want to, if I want to lose weight, I want to get on an exercise plan, I want to finally take that trip, whatever it is. If I set that goal clearly, I'm more likely to move towards it than I am if I keep saying, oh gosh, I want to take that trip. And it's the same type of thing. If we can paint the picture and more clearly define it for our clients as to what that trigger might be, what that lifestyle event might be, what that person might be struggling with, it's just going to help my mind to zero in on those people so much more easily than if you just ask me the general Hey, who do you know?
0: So it's interesting. I mean, the nuance I think that you're bringing out and which I don't think I hear that often is uh, you're talking about the story, the client's story in this case, and it triggering uh, in a different sort of trigger, but a name of someone who had a similar experience. So you remind them, they think of someone. Uh, presumably, and what we often talk about, I think, is the stories that then they go out and tell other people. Uh, And and those are very, those are different sort of tactical approaches, if you will. Yes.
2: And so, I would talk about it as two halves to a whole. So, if we think about the, um, uh, you know, (laughs) the picture I have in my mind, right, we're sending the client out, we've just met, and we're sending them out into the world to go find who's going to be the good referral for us, if we're the advisor. So, there's, the piece where we have to help them identify who those people are. Now, sometimes an advisor can do what we'll sometimes call the link and connect. So, I've gone on Steve's LinkedIn page and I've seen that one of uh, the people that he knows is the CEO of this large firm in my town. And so, next time Steve comes in for the meeting, I say, hey, I noticed that you were connected to this person, Steve. What do you think about about um, setting up a coffee that we could all have together. So there's that where I'm identifying and then I'm being more direct on who I'm looking for. But in some cases, and especially with clients that, at least this is what we hear from advisors, if you've worked with a client for a long time, you may be a little less comfortable or depending on the personality, et cetera, being that direct. So in those cases, I think you have to paint the picture a bit, right, the trigger, and help the client have an idea in their mind, who are we looking for? Who would it be best that uh, you might be able to facilitate an introduction with? So that's one half of it. But Julie, to your point, then the other half of it, we have to give them something to say because in a lot of cases, just saying you have got to talk to my advisor. He's a great guy. It's not enough. And especially wealthy people tend to be busy people, tend to be successful people, you know, tend to be people who don't you know, sit around and just schedule coffee unless they believe that there's a meaningful reason for doing that. So we do have to give the client the story of what's the meaningful reason for me to spend my time talking to my advisor.
0: So, can you can you unpack that the the, it, the whole concept of storytelling a little and and talk about maybe what I mean. What does a story sound like? What constitutes a good story that can be shared?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I love this topic because at one level, it's probably the most simple thing that I think we can teach people. At another level, there really is a an art, if you will, and a finesse to it. So if we think about it very simply, a story, you know, to use the old adage of a sandwich, it has the, you know, bun on the top, the meat in the middle and then the bun on the bottom. So what does that mean? The story opens somehow, and actually the word we often use is trigger event. So something has happened to start me into the story. So what does that mean from an advisor seat? Well, you may wanna think about, for example, what's a common experience that a lot of people who come to you as prospects and end up becoming clients walk through the door with. So let's say I find in my practice um, that it's people that have been burned by, uh, I don't know, working with somebody who was not a, you know, a holistic wealth manager. It's been all about the investments, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So that's the trigger event. So we find that a lot of people who have worked with an advisor for a while and become frustrated by the fact that they're not looking at their whole picture, come to us and want to talk about their financial situation more broadly. Okay, so what's my trigger? How do I start it? Then the meat is what happened then when they came to me? So that can take many different forms. So you do want to make sure you have some sort of easy way to talk about your process. But let's say our process, just for this example, is that we meet, you know, three times, we do nothing other than ask you questions, we ask you to bring in all of your documents, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm going to explain that and say, you know, one of the things we found is there's a real magic to these three meetings. So, we always have three meetings. We ask people to bring in these documents and uh, we go through this process so that we can create a whole plan. Then the last piece of the sandwich is the what happened. And And I like to say, this is where people live happily ever after, but they don't from a lifestyle perspective because advisors are dealing with somebody who's been widowed unexpectedly, the drug addict child, the uh, you know uh, broker that's or or advisor or financial planner who did them wrong, whatever it may be. So it's not that the situation ends happily, but what ends happily is that the advisor is able to solve whatever the issue was for that client. So trigger event, why do they come to us? What brings them in here? What life experience are they having? Meet in the middle, what is it that we do that's different and special to solve it? And then happy at the end, what is it? So even though this person lost their spouse very young, we took them through this whole process and they left with this clarity and confidence that you know, we can't fix the sadness of their experience. We can give them a lot of confidence around their financial process.
1: So, uh, so Bev, that, so that that that's a great way of putting together a story for sort of a general approach to describing the kinds of things the advisor brings to the table. Or it, should the advisor just have the one story that they work real hard at refining, or should they have? multiple stories that may address different things.
2: So let's think about it as almost like a stage process. So number one step, I believe firmly, you do need to identify who is that niche market. You don't have to have only one. You can have two or three, but it's the difference between uh, we work with women And we work with women who are business owners, who are also mothers, who are trying to figure out best way to um, pass the legacy of their business to their children, as an example, right? Just two Mm -hmm. dramatically different. One is very general. One's more specific. So if I'm able to describe, again, the niche, that takes us back to what we talked about earlier in terms of illustrating for your client. Again, if we're talking referrals, who are you looking for? So what's the niche? Who am I going after? Step two, what is it that we solve for? You know, how do you uh, explain what it is that we do for that particular niche? And then third step is, how do I arm my client with a story that's comfortable It's the difference between at a cocktail event, me saying, hey, I have this great advisor, you know, you'd love her. And me saying, boy, as a business owner with children who's trying to, you know, figure out this legacy, blah, 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 and you are too, we really ought to sit down and have lunch with this woman I'm working with. She's been great. If we think about those three steps, I've got to know who it is, got to be able to paint a picture for who they are. Got to know, though, what am I saying I do? What's the easy, portable story that I can give the client? And then third, how do I help the client be able to go tell it to the right people and find the right people?
0: So do you find, I mean, there's this this piece in the middle that I'd love to explore, which is, is uh, I think, a a discomfort we have when you're, you're being asked to, to talk about things in a different way. So in this case, if, if as an advisor, I'm being asked to share stories, that might feel different. So the, I imagine the question, and I have heard this question as well, when do I tell these stories? How do I lead into that naturally? Do you have any advice on integrating this in, in a seamless way?
2: Yes, and again, and it's, it's absolutely so. We're first of all, we're asking advisors to consider something that they're not right now doing. So, like anything, uh, it start. It feels awkward um, at the outset. So, if you take up some new, you know, exercise program, your muscles in whatever you're working them now, they don't feel so good the next morning because it is something new. You're you're asking asking your your mind your body to do something differently so i think in fairness yes we have to acknowledge this this does take some conscious thinking and some practicing because it isn't going to flow naturally. So I tell advisors, you can, in the mirror this morning, uh, you know, in the mirror in the morning, rather, when you're putting on your makeup or you're shaving, talk out loud. Uh, nowadays, uh, I, I remember a time where if you were talking in your car, you were crazy. Because who were you talking to?
0: Now we're all gabbing. our. <laughs>
2: Well, now we all gab in our car nonstop. So who knows who you're talking to? So <laughs> practice this, right? That is such a key thing because the more you practice it, the more comfortable it is. But then the second thing is, I think you do have to, so I call it, you know, setting the expectations. So let's say, you know, the, the two of you, you're, you're business owners together and we we I'm your advisor, we've been working together. So, you know, Julie and Steve partnered up, they come in, we're going to have a meeting on the business financials. At the outset, I have to be able to say, you know, so good to see you. We're going to go through all of your financials. um, I hope that, you know, expect I'm going to be able to answer any questions that you have. Um, Before we leave here today, though, also want to bring up uh, an initiative, business initiative that we have going on right now, some things that we're doing. I just want to save about 10 minutes to talk with you about that. Okay, mm-hmm. we go through the meeting, hopefully all is well. You're very happy. You're going to make some business decisions. Then I have the opportunity to say, you know, we've been looking at, and Julie, to the point you open with, you could talk about it as survey results. You could talk about it as an internal meeting you've had. You could talk about it as just a different way of thinking about the business. But here's where I start to say, you know, we've, so let me use the survey example. You know, we've noticed in our survey, A lot of our clients uh, would like to refer us, blah, 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 haven't been. One of the things we realize is that we haven't done the best job of really explaining what is it that we do and for whom and how. So I'd like to take a step back, you know, go through that a little bit with you. And if we could brainstorm together. And again, if I have someone I can ask for, that's great if i don't it can just be a brainstorming session so i do believe you you have to get deliberate about it but you but you don't necessarily push the client up against the wall and say who do you know you say here's an important thing we're doing this is something we've noticed we haven't done as good of a job at we really want to fix that let me explain you know what we believe our story to be or process to be And then if we can talk about, you know, do you think there's someone that you know or that you could talk with? Or again, I know you're in this business owners association, Julie and Steve, is there somebody in that association, et cetera, et cetera. And
1: and Bev, what I love about that is that, you know, you're on one level, if you tell somebody a story, you know, you'll make it more memorable. But on a different level, if you sort of persuade them to engage with you on sort of breaking apart your value and those kinds of things they'll remember it way better so getting getting them to, to brainstorm with you about you know is this a good reflection of your experience with us is this a good way of, of explaining what you think is different about us is just is a great idea because it it, drill, it drives it so far so much farther down into their into their mind and and uh, what what would you think about engaging like your team in the same kind of activity
2: Yes. So, I, Steve, you are right on, because think about, too, uh, you know, this whole idea of referrals puts me as advisor in the position of wanting something, say, in my example, from the two of you as these business partners who are my client. The, the nuance is I want it to be more like we're all on the same level, and, you know, we're we're working this together. So you almost own part of it, too, which is the extension that comes out of doing it that way. But yes, I mean, a huge affirmative. Yes, I think this can be an incredible uh, team exercise people uh, we were just at a firm this morning and they um, inside their firm have you know it's the seniors of course and then the juniors working together and they're finding that preparing for some of these discussions is just helping them as partners and as team members working with a client just think and talk about the client so differently internally, right So instead of just we're going to pull the reports together, on what we've done on the portfolio, they're talking about, oh, so who is this couple and who do they know and what story do we think we should tell and how should we present it to them? So it's created this
0: different level of camaraderie inside the firm too. So you're talking about actually crafting the the stories, I think, with the team, which I can imagine, yeah, would be a, which would be a, a great exercise. What about also engaging the team? I mean, are are referrals also the responsibility in your mind of other people on the team? Have you seen anyone doing that effectively? Heck yes. Um, so I completely, and I'm
2: sure the two two of you are uh, uh, also of this mind. You know, we we have this. Uh, I don't want to characterize it as a crisis, but let's just say it's a big looming change coming where you have a lot of the founders and leaders of firms who are wanting perhaps to wind down, thinking about working less, maybe even wanting to retire someday. But in many cases, they are the people who are bringing in the new business and are practicing the referral language, et cetera, et cetera. The beauty of stories and engaging a team like this is you're giving your next gens those younger folks who've not had as much client exposure stories that they then can somewhat own as their own so it's it's really powerful from that perspective because you the, the it's almost like instead of making them spend 30 years building their own stories you are giving them stories that they then can turn around and use. So so powerful to extend the team.
1: Well, and, and if I could, if I could uh, riff on that a little bit, you know, it all—it all, it seems like there's another really good reason to do that, and that is that the founders are the ones who, um, you know, had to take a risk. Most of them had to start something on their own, and they probably had some passion, some reason for doing that, some motivation, and that's. What kept them going through the tough times. It's also what made them persuasive and enabled them to bring folks in where a lot of the next gen, um, you know, a lot of the G2, you know, they didn't, they're, they're, they're competent and they're, uh, you know, diligent and they're enthusiastic, but, but they may not have that passion because, you know, the way they got into the business was they went to work for somebody. And so, Having those institutional stories, and what, what do you think about the role of those institutional stories as a way of sort of passing down the, the original reason or the passion for having started it in the first place?
2: Yes, and so I think that's a fabulous insight. And I also, you know, think about uh, if if you were a new newer member of a team, maybe you haven't had as much exposure. You're still in the learning curve, but you start to hear these stories about what our firm does for clients and how we solve things and the types of people we work with. You know, there's also that uh, engagement aspect, right now I. Now I'm really part of something and helps me to understand a little bit more about our culture and what we stand for. And so it is, it's a very unifying type process um, and can also be in some ways a little bit of a training process where now I've, you know, to your points, like I've learned something that I just simply didn't know before from these
0: stories. I, I often remember, uh, you know, working with newer people on the team and, and we'd be going out and delivering workshops. And to a person, they would always say, you know, Julie, I, keep, I I started off by using exactly what you were saying. Like I was just telling your stories and it worked and, it you know, that was great. But there was this day I realized I was changing them or ditching them completely and using my own. <laughs> you're that, oh, that's good. Wow. You, know? Yes. you know what I mean? It's like, it, but it, it was that leg up. And then it, that's when you knew you were just immersed and and you could, uh, you had your own stories. Uh, you had your own stories to tell. So, that's that's pretty cool. Um, hey, I know we're we're kind of hitting up on our time, and I want to make sure I ask you a couple of questions before we um, before we end. And and maybe just to wrap up a lot of what we've talked about. If if somebody's listening today and and they wanted to get started, is is there a a place you think an advisor could get started in thinking about the stories that they can share? So, I
2: definitely do recommend if you have more than just an advisor in a firm, you know, talking to others in the firm and, you know, going through that process of talking about trigger, you know, why do we think people, you know, come to us? Um, How do we solve for whatever it is? What do we think uh, is different about the way we go through it? And then, you know, what is it that we are able to kind of gift them, you know, give them as the takeaway, the happy takeaway at the end. So, I think it can absolutely be done where you are brainstorming, you know, internally to do that. I think that um, if you're an advisor, you know, just working on your own, I mean, I absolutely believe you can engage your clients in this process. So, one of our firms, um, they they do a client advisory board and uh, what they ended up doing was just picking a couple of clients that were very active and engaged on the board and just having, you know, over lunch this conversation, you know, how how would you describe it and what words do you use? So you can, you can use your internal team, but you can go to the horse's mouth, right? Go to the source and you're going to want to be selective about which clients it is. But if you have a strong enough relationship, you can actually help them. Uh, have them rather help you feed those stories.
0: Right, right. Yeah, well, that's, that's great advice. And, and just uh, really quickly, if, if advisors are, are interested in learning more about the work that you do, where can they find you?
2: They can come to our website. It's the-collaborative.com. And we do have a lot of, there's free resources and a lot of uh, information on what we're talking about here, blogs and whatnot there. So the-collaborative.com.
1: Yeah, thank you, Beth. Wonderful.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking some time today. It was great chatting. My pleasure.
2: And it's such an important topic. So thank you both for doing such a great, such great work with this podcast.
1: Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Hey, folks. Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.